a few minutes and so I'm going to take those few minutes just to share a word with you uh, that uh, has been on my heart all week and as a pastor from time to time God brings it back to me. So if you have your Bibles or if you have an iPhone or iPad if that's the way you follow uh, I'd like you to turn with me just for a couple of minutes here to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to look at one verse, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and in verse 3. This word tells me that God has not given me as a follower of Christ, and if you're a follower of Christ, he has not given, uh, given us a spirit of fear. In fact, he goes on to tell Timothy, his son in the faith, he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind or self-discipline. But that does not mean there's nothing to fear. For example, when I look in scripture, I'm also told from this word that I, that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And then the word fear means to have the spirit of, of awe, a spirit of reverence, just kind of overwhelmed with the greatness of God, the omnipotence of God, the majesty of God, his holiness, his righteousness, his purity, but also his incredible love, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness in our lives. That's a, a spirit of fear, just a uh, just a spirit of awe and reverence, just overwhelmed with the goodness and awesomeness of the Lord. Here in this verse, this one verse, Paul also shares a fear that he had. And fear related to the Christians in Corinth. Uh, they were all basically babes in Christ to a certain extent. He had gone and shared the gospel uh, in the city of Corinth. Many came to know Christ. Uh, but uh, regardless of their age, they were babes in Christ. And so there was a concern that he had on his heart. There was a fear he had that, uh, spiritually speaking, concerning their lives. And I think it's a, it's a, a fear that we should have in terms of looking at our own relationship with the Lord, particularly, and this is a word to those of us who are followers of Christ, just like all of these here who accept the Lord, there should be a very healthy spiritual fear about where we're going from here and where we have ended up after receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior. So I want to look at this verse, and I just want you to notice three things very quickly with me. First of all, the person. When I say the person, the one that, that Paul was focused on, that can have an impact on these believers in Corinth. And you find that in the first part of this verse, where the Apostle Paul writes, I am afraid, see that word? I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve. Of course, we know what he means by serpent. We know that he's talking about our adversary, Satan. Now, he's not saying that he is fearful of Satan, but what he is saying is that he understands spiritually how Satan works and what he can do, even coming against those who are followers of Christ. 
Uh, let me just rejoice over one incredible truth, and that is the fact that Satan and his kingdom of darkness can do absolutely nothing about our eternal destiny as followers of Christ. We are kept by the power of God the Father. We're kept by the prayers of God the Son. And we are kept by the presence of the Holy Spirit who indwells us as followers of Christ. He cannot touch our relationship with God because it's unchanging, it's unchangeable, and it's held in the hands of an omnipotent God and Father in heaven. But that doesn't mean he throws in the towel. There is something he wants to achieve. And I think about it, I think about these children and these teenagers and, and even the adults here, even myself and for you as well. There, there is a goal he has as he seeks to come against us. And so we need to have that same healthy understanding that our adversary, though a defeated foe, has not thrown in the towel and he is working with his kingdom 24-7. So let's look at the point of attack. He not only was focusing in on the person, but he was focusing in on the point of attack. How does Satan come against us in our lives? And he explains this in this verse. He says, I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, watch the next phrase, your minds will be led astray. Satan's point of attack all the time is really our minds. Because our minds are the control tower of our lives. Everything we feel emotionally, every decision we make, everything in our life, our physically, body, emotionally, everything comes from the control tower of our minds. And so the battlefield, the point of attack for Satan is always in our thought life. He is always aiming his attack right there. And if you look with me in, in chapter 2 of this same letter, chapter 2 and in verse 11, you will notice that uh, once again Paul makes reference to this. In fact, you find this all the way through his letter. He says in verse 11, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes or devices. And that word that he uses there in the Greek makes reference to our mind. See, Satan wants to make a playground out of our minds. He plays mind games with us. And so he is constantly feeding us lies. He is constantly deceiving us. He is constantly trying to confuse us. He's constantly trying to complicate everything that is happening in our life in our thought life. That's where the battle is taking place. And, and he begins even when those who don't even know Christ uh, look at me with me in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 4 and verses 3 and 4. Look at it. Listen to what he says. He says, and even if our gospel is, what's this, veiled. That means cannot be seen, cannot be understood. They don't even see it or understand it. He said, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case, listen the God of this world, little g God of this world, referring to Satan, this kingdom of darkness, has blinded the minds. 
blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, which is the image of God. So you see, even for those who haven't come to know Christ, the battle is, we always talk about the heart, I get it. We don't know, oh, their heart is so hard. Or, but here's the reality, it's right here. My heart only responds to what's coming from right here. And so that's where the battle is. And so he wants to keep them in darkness. He does not want them to see the light. And so he does this through his lies. He does this through his deception. And by the way, he's had quite a number of years to be pretty good at it. Do I have a witness on that? So he moves them from darkness, hopefully into depravity. Now there is a a phrase I'm hearing more often that, that I really struggle with. I understand it when... Unbelievers say this, but I really struggle with it when I hear believers say this. And even probably, maybe you've used it. I don't know. I'm just kind of in a dark place right now. Now again, if it's an unbeliever, I understand. Because Satan has them in darkness. The light hasn't penetrated yet. The light of the gospel hasn't come through, but for a believer, for a follower of Christ, we are children of light. You know that's what the scripture says. We're not children of darkness. And so when a believer says to me, well, I'm just in a dark place right now, then boy, red flags go everywhere for me. Because it lets me know Satan is being successful. So the point of attack is the mind. The person is Satan in his kingdom of darkness. The last point is this, and that is his purpose, the purpose. And when you look at this text, you see it. It says, get back to our text here. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led straight, listen to this, from the simplicity the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Let me tell you what Satan's doing. And let me just testify to this. I've been there and I've, this has happened to me. I'm just being honest with you. He's stealing your faith. What do you mean by that? Well, see, our faith, our trust in the principles of the Word of God and the promises of the Word of God and the precepts of the Word of God, that's our spiritual vitality. And if he can begin to steal away our faith in those principles and those promises, those precepts from his word, then he is taking from us our spiritual vitality and the end result is eventually is that point where we're just going through the motions. Everything about our faith now is just on the surface. But we're not experiencing it inwardly in our lives. And so bit by bit, 
he tries to steal our faith. Now he uses Eve here as an example. So let me just use her uh, as well. You know the story there in the Garden of Eden. And so Satan begins by what? He sends to her a dart of doubt. Has God said? Now he has her attention. And then what does he do? He feeds her a lie. Has God, you will not die? God's not being honest with you. You will not die. What's really going to happen is that you're going to be like him and you're going to know good and evil. In other words, here's what he was ultimately saying to her. He's holding back on you. Now, what was the result of just those words? Immediately, Eve starts thinking through Eve. Not what the Lord said. She starts thinking, well... It does look good, don't it? <laughs> I bet it's good for food, too. So what, what is happening? By feeding her that lie and just taking a nibble, just a little dart of doubt. Maybe God is not as good as he says he is. Maybe God doesn't love you as much as he says he does. So what happens? One dart of doubt and she fails. Because she starts thinking, well, that looks good. Mm. I, bet this, I bet it tastes good too. And she takes a step and she sins against the Lord. We see that's the way he works in us. Through his lies, through his deceptions, the battleground right here, he's just nipping. One little bite at a time, taking us Take a little bit more of our faith, a little bit more of our faith, a little bit more of our faith. And so here we are, children of the living God, the most high God, almighty God, and we're thinking and reasoning and living our life based upon our reasoning, our interests, our, what we want, what we need. And so we're, we're functioning just like the world, but we have the spirit of the living God in us who's sitting there saying, hello. I am here to help you. I am here to help you understand that this is what you live your life by. And so five years, seven years, ten years down the line, all of a sudden this incredible fresh faith. You know what I, lo I love? I testify to this often. I love being around new believers. Because when I, what I see in a new believer is this. I see a fresh faith. You know, I see it in their eyes. I hear it in their voice. I see a fullness of faith. They're hungry. They're thirsty for the things of God. And their fire rekindles my fire. I want to be honest with you. I need new believers in my life. Guess what? You need new believers in your life. The body of Christ needs new believers. That's where we get our fire. And it keeps us focused because Satan is slowly trying to nibble bite by bite. Take our faith, and we don't even know it. He is so subtle. He, and by the way, I don't like giving Satan credit for anything, but he is patient. 
It doesn't matter if it takes him 10 years to get you over here where you're no longer living by faith, but you're living by your own strength and your own creativity and, and what, you, what you can think and what you can do instead of what God says and what God can do in us and through us. If it takes 10 years, it doesn't matter to him. If it takes 20 years to get you out here, it doesn't matter to him. He just has that goal. And so parents, I, I think about children and how important it is that we make sure our children know. I know it's a pretty deep subject how to, how to counter that because here's what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians, same chapter, chapter 10, verse 5, and I close with this. He says, we are, listen to what Paul writes, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive in obedience to Christ. That's a charge. That's a challenge for me personally, for you personally. Parents, teaching your children how to recognize and take charge as they grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Know how put their faith and trust and keep it in the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. Let me close in prayer. Father God, wow. Thank you for your incredible patience because Lord, we're, we, a lot of times we're on a roller coaster. I've been there in my life. Well, Lord God, I allowed my adversary to nibble away at my faith. But by your grace, you would call this wanderer back home. And I just want to thank you and praise you for that. But Lord God, with everything we're facing this day, this time, in this season... The direction we see unmistakably, unquestionably that this world is headed, rejecting you. And you preparing, Lord God, to gather your church. But until then, to use your church to make a difference in this world. It's God starting us. So, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I charge myself and all followers of Christ here today to take every thought captive, to understand what the adversary is doing, and to protect their faith in you. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.